table and you tell me just to sit and feast You are not afraid when the terror screaming loud at me You will overcome and you're the God of victory I'm dancing, sing it out I'm dancing on the grave that once held me bound Dancing on the chains that are laying on the ground I'm dancing out of the dark, lighting up the night Becomes a weapon I'm here to
sin was heavy The chains break at the weight of your glory I needed shelter, I was an orphan You called me citizen of heaven Fire of God, fall. 
I think sometimes we come into church and we have these sayings of, God, you're welcome in this place. And God, we want your presence to fall in this place. We want your spirit to dwell in this place. But sometimes we don't really understand what we're saying and what we're asking or what we should be asking. If you have any form of relationship, and even if you don't have a form of relationship with God, there's no doubt that his spirit is here today. But I think that we need to personalize this and, and, and ask God to not only pour his spirit in this building, in this place, but to pour his spirit on us. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Because see, when we begin to ask God to fill his, us with his spirit, to pour his spirit upon our lives, the things that is not of him, the things that hold us back, the things that we struggle with begins to melt away because there's no room for the spirit of God and flesh at the same time. So this morning, we're gonna get into the word in just a minute. We're actually gonna talk about that a little bit today, but I just wanna give you an opportunity to worship him today. Give you the opportunity to hear these words and say them not just as a song, but ask God to fill you with his presence. We need a refreshing and an anointing from the Holy Spirit this morning. No matter what you're going through, no matter what struggle you, you're facing today, God's spirit can come into your life and can transform you and you can leave here differently than the way you came in. So can we just take a moment real quick before we get into the word and just sing that, not as words of a song, but as, as an anthem to God, as a, as a pleading with God to fill us with his presence today, to fill us with his spirit. Oh, we thank you, God. The fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. we're so thankful for your presence that we feel today, God. Lord, as we transition our service into your word, God, let us not get away from the feeling that we feel right now, God. Don't let us be able to, Lord, allow your spirit to still lead and guide us through this service, God. Lord, that I believe that we have a word today for people's lives to be transformed and, and that, that, that everything that we've done so far, every song we've sung, has just led up to the moment to hear your word, God, that transforms the lives of people here today. God, we're so grateful and we're so honored that you've, that you've chosen to be with us today, God. Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be, you may be seated. How many misses their pastor? Amen. I know we, I do as well. He is on his way back. He will be here with us next week. Um, he's very grateful for a church that allows him to tie, take a time off when needed. Um, but we're very much looking forward to, thank you, of him being back with us next week. But before he left, we started a series, um, our summer series here. And we, we kind of do this off and on. 
uh, different seasons. We have different sermon series and we usually always have a summer, a summer series. And today I'm gonna continue that series. Um, our purpose for doing this is that, you know, our thought here at Gateway is that we want you to take time in the summer to relax. That's kind of what summers are for. And that's when we take our vacations, when, we, when we're able to, that summer is a time to, to rest and to, to spend time with your family and, and to get that physical rest that you need. But we also want us to grow spiritually. And we think that that's important as well. And, and we've, that's what, kind of what we've been going through and, and talking through in this, this series. In the first week, Pastor JW talked about the God that goes with us that's on the mountains and in the valleys. And he talks about that we have to look to God as the same God that's blessing us on the mountains than when we're going through the struggles of the valleys. That he's still God, that we have, that's just a certain part of our life. And that if we look even in those struggles, we can still see God present in our valleys. And then in the, uh, the next week I talked about looking beyond, looking beyond our current circumstance and, and seeing where we're at and seeing our troubles and seeing the things that right in front of us and in our current circumstance and seeing past that and seeing the bigger picture, seeing what God has in store for us and being able to overcome those things. So as I mentioned this morning, I wanted to continue that series and I wanna start off by asking you a question. How are you filling the void? How are you filling the void? Uh, there was this quote that, um, from a theologian I wanted to read this morning to you. It says, there is a God-shaped vacuum, or we can say void, in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God, the creator made known through Jesus Christ. See, this quote kind of connects to all humanity that no matter what you're going through, and, and everybody here today is different. We all have different issues, we all have different problems, we all are going through something different. There's not one person here today that has the same exact problem as someone else sitting in this auditorium. Our struggles are unique to us and, and the things that go through our minds and the things that we, we go through in life is unique to us. But I believe that we're here for a reason. I believe that, that you're, you're not here by accident this morning, that, that God has something for you to be able to understand and start thinking about that struggle and, and that question of how I'm filling the void. I think we need to be able to evaluate ourselves. And as we continue with this series and we go through our summer series, we want you to do that. That's how we're gonna grow. And we talked about growing spiritually. We do that by questioning ourselves and evaluating our lives and asking ourselves, that question. I'm going to ask you that a bunch of times a day. How am I filling the void? Throughout this series too, I've been mentioning a lot about Paul. And uh, we've been studying with him and are studying his life and different things of his ministry. And we're going to do that today as well. If you know anything, if you've heard me talk the last couple of weeks, Paul was saved. But not only was he saved, he was radically changed. He had a whole different life before and, and God radically changed his life. And as he became saved and as he radically changed, God put him on as a missionary and as, as an apostle to speak the gospel. And we know of three different missionary uh, journeys that he went on. And the, the, the scripture we're gonna read today, he's actually on the second part of that, one of those journeys. And he found himself kind of off course a little bit. See, he went to the, the city of Athens where we're gonna read today and that wasn't really even his plan. He, was, he originally was somewhere else and kind of got ran out of town and began to stay a couple of days in Athens. He wasn't there with a purpose. He wasn't there with a plan, but God began to deal with him as he was there. And he began to notice certain things. See, he noticed that there's two groups of people in Athens. If you know anything about the city of Athens, um, it was a very influential town. It was very, had a lot of power and it was a very well-known uh, town. And there was these two groups of people, and I hope I'm saying this right. I'm sure someone will tell me afterwards if it's not. But these groups of people, one of them was the Epicureans. And these people believed that there was nothing to life but pleasure. That that's how you get your, satisfac your satisfaction in life is by pleasure. That the whole purpose of life was to find pleasure. And then you had the group that was known as the Stoics. And the Stoics was exactly the way they sound. They was very stiff-necked. They was very, very... Uh, legalistic and religious. They believed that, that 
power and achievement was the way to satisfaction. And Paul noticed that you have these two groups of people living in this town and the Holy Spirit began to move on him to witness to these people and he sees that even though he had this group believing and worshiping and had idols made to God's pleasure and things that, that, that brought pleasure to them and you had this side of the room that, that believed with achievement and power and they had their idols that they was worshiping, that in the middle and the center there was a one idol. There was still one idol that was entitled to the unknown God. See, and Paul began to see that even though you had these people believing different things and looking for satisfaction in different areas in different ways and worshiping other gods, they was still something that they had in the middle of it all that was unknown and missing. They still had an idol built to a God of the unknown and that void was still there. And that's where we end up today in Acts 17, 24 and 27. He begins to talk to these people and he says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and of earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is, he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that, or that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and their boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Paul begins to say, I see that you have all these ways that you're trying to fulfill your life, but you still have a void. You still have something missing. You understand and you go through these things and understand that there's something missing in your life. And he's trying to introduce them to the God that can fill that void. He's telling them there's a God in heaven that created everything that can't be made by man, that cannot be manipulated by man, that there's a God that can fill the void. And I think that's a lot of times like us. I think we find ourselves trying to get satisfaction outside of God. And just as they did, they was frustrated and they was looking for something. And I think we do the same thing. When we look for satisfaction outside of God, we find ourselves with frustration. We find ourselves frustrated and, 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 and living in a life with, where we feel like our whole entire life is a series of setbacks. That when we begin to go a little bit far or one way in the right direction, we end up falling backwards or two or three things knock us right back down and we feel this frustration and Paul is telling these people, I see that void and I see you're frustrated, but he wants to let them know something that's really unique and, and kind of hard to grasp sometimes, but that's the way God designed it. See, God designed it that these, these frustrations that occur, God designed it that nothing else could satisfy us but him. So your frustrations are not really setbacks, they're God set up. God has allowed us to be frustrated, allowed things in our lives to happen sometimes to, to show us that we're on the wrong direction. When we're frustrated and unsatisfied in our life, it's not necessarily things that we're doing that, that wrong as far as trying to achieve these things, it's that we're looking in the wrong direction. When we feel frustrated, but God is just setting us up to find that one puzzle piece, that one thing that can fill that void in our heart. If we're going to grow this summer and we're going to evaluate ourselves I think we have to be able to be okay with asking the question, how are we filling the void? If it's not Jesus, if it's not God, uh, you're gonna have an opportunity today to do so. And I think that's something we have to keep in our mind that there's nothing that can, can fill that void but God. See, I, I love that we serve a God of setups. If we wanna think about it that way, like sometimes I feel really dumb Anybody in here just needs some help sometimes? Uh, there's some things that we just can't comprehend on our own. We just need somebody to just say, hey, dummy, it's this way. You know, like we just feel that way, right? We serve a God that when we try to do it on our own, we try to seek satisfaction in other places. He sets us up to where we can't be satisfied. We can't fill that void. We can't be happy without him. And I, I begin to think of the idea of being set up and I think about different stories I've heard of people being set up on a blind date. Sometimes that's okay and sometimes that's not. I think about like birthday parties and surprise parties and, and things in your life. And, you know, I feel like there's two different kinds of people and 
I'm the type of person I like to surprise people. I like family events. I like my family being around and doing things and, and special occasions and stuff like that. And a couple of years ago, I had convinced Brittany that we was going out to eat for her birthday. I convinced her to go get dressed and, and that we would be leaving. And I think I even told her that one of our friends might meet us to go out to eat. And then I got a group of people from here from church together. And I made this plan and I told them, you know, hey, you pick up the pizza for me and I'll pay you back and you pick this up. And as Brittany is getting dressed in our bathroom, I'm sneaking these people in the front door. And we were gonna do a surprise party there at the house. And if you know anything, if you've ever been to my house, if you've ever been around us, you understand that I got two dogs. One dog is the big scary looking one that is actually really sweet and never barks, never does anything. And then I have a small one that will never shut up. She don't, not only will she not let us have company without making so much noise, she won't let our neighbors have company. She won't let the people on the next street have company without, every time she hears the car door, she is barking and she is loud and she is annoying. It's Brittany's dog. <laughs> but if you knew anything about that, it was such a miracle that we was able to pull that off. Brittany walks out all dressed, ready to go, and then she has a group full of people there that she loves to spend the day with her. Then I think about the other side of it. I remember a time, and I keep talking about this because it's something relevant to me. It's something that's new in my life, so it keeps making its way into my sermon. I just graduated a year ago, and during that time, there was so many things happening and changing so quickly. I graduated undergrad school. Uh, took me eight years to get a four-year degree. Um, then I was accepted to um, graduate school like two weeks later. And then a week later, I got a job working in my career, my first teaching job. There were so many things that was happening so quickly. And COVID was just on the rise. And, and it kind of felt, I kind of felt cheated out of a way of being able to celebrate these things with my family and my friends. And I remember talking to my brother and feeling sorry for myself. And I told him, I said, dude, all Brittany's got to do is at least make a Facebook post. <laughs> you know, we've got to celebrate this. I, I mean, I, I finally graduated. It took me eight years to get a four-year degree. This is something to, to be happy about. She could at least give me a, a Facebook post telling me that she's proud. And I'm feeling sorry for myself. And I'm talking about all this stuff. And Josh was very encouraging in a weird way and, and tried to make light of the situation. And what I didn't realize was he was already a part of the setup. Brittany had already been planning a surprise uh, graduation and new job party all together and had already talked to all my family and all my friends and, and to my church family and was already setting this up. And there were so many signs there that I could have picked up on. She would talk to her mom on the phone, helping her plan something. She'd walk out of the room. And uh, she would, she would, move money around to pay for certain things, some, some food and decorations. And I didn't pick up on any of that. If, you know, if you're, I didn't know she was moving money, but I can't go to the gas station and buy a pack of gum without her knowing about it. She knows every penny that comes out of that account. But she was setting it up. And see, I think sometimes in order for a setup to work, our mind has to be focused on something else. I was focused on poor old me. I was focused on what I didn't think I was getting and what I thought I deserved and all these things that I thought needed to be happening and, and the people in my life that I thought should be doing something. And I, I was focused and looking in the wrong direction. I didn't see all the signs and I didn't see all the things that was going on in my life pointing me into the right direction or turning me to show me that, that it was going to be set up. See, the only way we can get set up is if we focus on the wrong things and look in the wrong direction. And I believe that's what Paul is saying here to them. You've been looking at the wrong things to fill the void. You've been looking in the wrong direction. I have a plan. I have a, a way to change things in your lives to fill that void, but you've been looking in the wrong things and you've been, you've been looking in the wrong direction. See, Paul said to the Epicureans, he thinks that we are filling the void with pleasure. And I think we do the same thing as Christians and non-Christians we try to fill the void with pleasure. And I understand that thought. It's natural thought that if it feels good, do it. And we have this idea of, of thinking that we will have a better life with pleasure. And the reality is that pleasure don't always feel that good. 
or it feels good for a season and, and, or for sometimes even seconds and then you feel worse afterwards. It, uh, you, you take part in pleasure and then you find yourself even further away from God than what you was before. This makes me believe that we're not really seeking out pleasure, but we're looking for an escape. See, because as we mentioned in a couple of different sermons, life is hard. Life gets tricky. There are struggles in life. There are things that we go through. There are things that happen to us that, that doesn't make sense. There are things that, that we're going through that doesn't make sense. And I think we live in a, lot, or in a world today that is busier than any time before, more stressful than any time before. We can be in our homes and be alone and in the quiet and relaxing and still be connected to an entire world. Still be connected to the busyness of this world and, and to thousands of people at one time. See, I think when we are seeking pleasure, lots of times it's our way of self-medicating the stress and the struggles that's happening in our lives. And, and, and sometimes it feels right and we begin to do this self-medicating because we, we wanna feel better and we're trying to look, but the problem is we're not doctors and we don't really know what it is we're needing. We're not addressing the true problem. We're trying to solve the problem and we're trying to fill the void with pleasure, but it's a, it's a void that only God can fill. See, pleasure is something that, that feels good for a moment, but doesn't really last. We have this void and we have this problem and we're trying to fix it with pleasure. And I think we all can relate to this, either something maybe now in our lives that we're going through or something even in the past, we, we can say, you know, I've tried it. Uh, I, I've clicked on it, I've drank it, I smoked it, I've watched it, I sent the picture, I crossed the boundaries. I formed that relationship. And I don't want us to feel condemnation this morning, but I want us to, to evaluate ourselves. If we are looking to pleasure, we will return to, to the same void and feel worse. We've found ourselves in these situations. One thing that being in ministry, there's some, some times and a couple different opportunities I've been able to speak into people's lives and speak into some friends and, and some acquaintances and sometimes just people that met through the church here. And I seem like that God has kind of had me counsel some people that's going through some marriage issues. And some of them are, are been, in, been married longer than I have. Some of them have been married less amount of time I have. But I, I think about at this time of this person that was talking to me and they've actually been married longer than Brittany and I. And, and they came to me and they were saying, I was seeking this. And they, what had happened, both of the couples have been seeking pleasure. They had made some mistakes and they was looking to the wrong things to fill the void and it was affecting their marriage. And he says, I'm fighting for my marriage but I feel like I'm fighting for my marriage in quicksand. And that has always stuck with me, that image of fighting for their marriage in quicksand. Because see, if you know anything about quicksand, the more you fight, the more you try to get out, the more you try to move, the more you try to fight against it, it begins to, every move you make, it begins to suck you in even more. And it begins harder and harder to get out. And I think that's where we find ourselves today. We're in a world of pleasure and we feel, we feel so condemned and we feel like that there isn't any way out. We feel like that because of what we've done and the pleasures that we seek and all the times that we've messed up, that we feel like that there's nothing that we can do that, that quicksand, every time we try to fight our way out, we try to look for a new pleasure, we try to look for a new way and we're trying to find our way out, that that quicksand becomes around us and it sinks us and we're drowning. But listen to me this morning when I say in a moment, in a moment, Jesus can rescue you. That you don't have to feel that way, that, that in a moment that nothing has gone so far for us, uh, we, we have just been looking the wrong way. Nothing has went so past God's love for us, we've just have been focusing on the wrong things. We've been trying to fill the void with the wrong thing. So Paul is talking to the Epicureans here about, about pleasure, but as I mentioned, he's also talking to the Stoics. And as I said, the Stoics was people that was driven by performance and achievement. I think we find ourselves doing the same thing as well. We find ourselves looking to just get to that next level and, and we think to ourselves, the more success I can have, the more satisfied I will be. And that's a lie that the enemy wants us to believe today. See, and this is kind of tricky because success is a good thing. I think we all should to strive for success. I think everything that we do, we should strive for excellence. We should, we should look 
for excellence in, in our jobs and in, in school and in our ministries. We should always be looking to do it to the best of our ability and have excellence as the end result. So sometimes it gets tricky when you talk about this, but when we begin to make it our God, when we begin to make it our happiness or our whole purpose in life is to have this achievement, that's where we run into trouble. That's where we, we find ourselves having that void in our life. So we need to look to the answer of God because the performance will not satisfy us. We will get everything we want and still have a void. And I think that we can today can relate to that. As I mentioned, I think it's great to have goals and I think it's great to, to succeed in, in school and to, on your job. But I've, I've known people that has made that their everything. If I can just get the grades or if I can just be the best at this sport and I can get this scholarship to get into this school and they make that entire lives and they, they set themselves up they set these, these expectations that they can never fulfill and these voids become so evident in their lives. We get these jobs and, and if we could just get this promotion, if I could just make this amount of money, if I could just have this status or this title, I've noticed people with their relationships. If I can just achieve this in my marriage or if I could just do this with my, or I see this happen in my kid's life. They've, they've made their entire life about the achievements and the performance. No relationship can take that stress. It won't last and we find ourselves in a void. And what will happen, success, as I said, is okay, but it could leave you empty. What will happen is we'll get to the top, we'll reach these goals or, or we'll look around our lives and we'll see we have everything we ever wanted. We have the family, we have the car, we have the house. We have all these things that we thought would make us happy and we look around and see that there's still a void, that there's still emptiness inside. There's still things in our life that's not fulfilled and and. We try to fill that void with pleasure and we try to fill that void with performance. So as you evaluate yourself uh, this week and today and through this uh, summer series, I think it's such a huge part of our spiritual growth is being able to evaluate ourselves. And as we evaluate ourselves today, I want us to ask that question, how am I feeling the void? And if, it, if, if the only way we truly should be filling that void is with Jesus. See, as we read a while ago, everything led to frustration. Everything led to them feeling unfulfilled and being frustrated in their lives. And we had the choice to do one or two things. We can fill that void with God and begin to go in the right direction and take those frustrations as setups from God and as uh, directions and nudging in the right direction. Or we can live in those frustrations. We can live in those frustrations and, and live an unfulfilled life, live in a, a life that we still can't understand why we have everything around us. We got friends, we got family, but there's still something missing. And, and we need to ask ourselves that question. If it's not Jesus, you have the opportunity today to change your mind. You have the opportunity today to change your life because I believe you've been set up today. I don't believe that you've been, that you had been sent to church or that you came to church by accident. I think lots of times we find ourselves at church because we're tired of someone asking us to come over and over again. Or we find ourselves at church because that's what we do. It's Sunday and that's what we do. It's our obligation to be at church. But I don't believe today is necessarily like that. I believe that people here today needs to hear that when you feel broken, when you feel alone, when you feel the pressures of life, when you feel the darkness come around you, when you feel all these things happening around you and you feel that void, when you tried everything else you know to try, that Jesus is the answer. I feel like that even as Christians and non-Christians, this is true. Christians or non-Christians, it's it's, the answer is Jesus. I think as Christians, we sometimes lose focus and, and it makes it a little bit harder and the enemy is able to work a little bit more with us because in our minds, we've already accepted and filled that void. In our minds, we've already accepted Christ as our savior and, and that, this, that void, there's still something else. God's there, but there's still something missing. But lots of times we lose focus and we lose our train of thought of truly what it is and, and who we are and, and the purpose that God has for us, it can still cause that void to be need to be filled with God. So I want us to ask that question today. 
what are we filling the void with? God is telling us to turn away from our frustrations and enter into fulfillment. How many can tell them or can say to themselves today that we need to live a life of fulfillment? You know, that John, uh, in the book of John, it says that where we can live a life that's less of me and more of you. And that's what I want today. That's the, that's the fulfillment that I want today in life is where, where the things of my life, the things that I put as priority and the things that are inside of me becomes to vanish and God begins to shine. That's the evaluation part this morning. As we evaluate ourselves, looking for fulfillment, looking for satisfaction, asking ourselves the question, what are we filling the void with? But I also want to end with some encouragement this morning. I said the word end, but don't get too excited. I don't mean I'm ending the service. This morning I was printing a little sidebar. I was printing off my notes in case my computer failed, and I always print off multiple copies for me upstairs and for Nick. And our treasurer looked at me this morning and said, are you printing off your sermon? I said, yeah. She said, oh my God, we're gonna be here to 12 o'clock because it was all three copies. She thought it was all one sermon. So I did not do that as many today, so... But in encouragement today, I want us to look back at verse 27. And I wanna break down this verse because he's telling them, you know, that you're looking for a God that's greater than your gods, that's greater than your idols. And he begins to tell them, you know, the God that I know is the creator of everything. He's the creator. He doesn't need your, your human-made items. He does not need your help. And he begins to tell who God is in this last part. He said, God did this. I want to stop there this morning. God did this means God did this. He made me. He made this situation. God created us. God made us who we are. God put us in the situations that we are in. God, God put us in the, the town that we're in, the positions that we're in, the people's lives that we're a part of, uh, the, the church that you're in. God created you for this moment. God made you. God did this. And I think it's sometimes hard for us to understand because I believe when we start thinking about us, the person that God created, the things about us that God created, lots of times we begin to make lists about ourselves, right? We have the list of things that we like about ourselves and we have the list of things that we don't like about ourselves. And sadly, what ends up happening most of the time, the, the list of things that we don't like about ourselves becomes a lot longer. And it's the things that we focus on more often than the things that we do like about ourselves. And sometimes I believe this is why we're searching fulfillment in other things, because we really don't like who we are. We don't really like who we are, we don't really like the lives that's been given to us, and, and we, we have all these insecurities. We have all these thoughts and, and all these things about ourselves and these lies of the enemy that we believed about ourselves over and over and over again that we don't like. And this list, or the list of things that we don't like, as I said, usually is longer than the list of things and outshines those things, of, those good qualities that God's given us. But what God is telling us in the beginning of this verse, I did this, I made you just like you are. I made you with the qualities that you have. And I think it's hard for us to get a hold of, but God made our strengths and he made our weaknesses. And you might ask me this morning, why in the world would God make, make my weaknesses? In 2 Corinthians, I didn't put the scripture up there, but it says, everywhere we are weak is a place for his power to shine. So there really is no weakness. A weakness really isn't a weakness. It's a place for God to be made known. God did this, and why? So that we would seek him, is the next part of that scripture so that we would seek after him. See, and I think it's so, that's part of the setup. God made us the way we are with our strengths and our weaknesses. I mentioned uh, a couple of sermons ago, I talked about how they would put the yoke upon an ox and they'd have two on each side. And usually the way they would do this was they would put a young ox on one side and an old ox on the other. And the reason they would do this is because the young ox had the strength. It had the power. It had the young, uh, the young body and the young joints behind it where it could plow through the hard ground. It could, it could do the job that it was created for. But you also, when you're plowing a field 
and you're wanting a harvest, you have to make these straight lines. And, and the old ox had the experience. It had the ability to, it had been doing this its entire life. It had been going back and forth on the same field. It was able to, if you would do it blindfolded, it knew exactly where it needed to walk. So where the old ox had a weakness in strength and power, the, the young ox was able to take place. And, and when, when we have strength and, and knowledge and, and the know-how and, and wisdom, the old ox is able to step in. And I think that's how God is with us. He's created us. And when we yoke up with him, when we are able to yoke up with him where we are weak, he is strong. When we are needing something, if, if we are able to do the power part of it, we're able to till up the land, he has the wisdom and the know-how and how to guide us. Or if we know where we're going, but we, we lack in, in power and we lack in confidence, he's able to, where we're weak, he's able to be strong. And he does this so we will seek after him. He wants us to call on to him. See, these frustrations are not setbacks with our God set up. When he, he sets us up for these frustrations so that we will call out to him. See, the word in the original text uh, here for seek means to long for. God wants us to long for him. He desires for us to desire him. He wants us to crave him. I remember being around my sister-in-laws and, and around my sister when she was pregnant. I remember weird cravings. And anybody that's, that's had a baby or been around a pregnant person, you've heard the stories or you've witnessed these weird cravings. And sometimes it's like pickles and ice cream, but like it really wasn't ever that for them. It was just something in particular, you know? And when they had these cravings, they, they wanted it now. And if they wanted Doritos, we couldn't give them Cheetos. It had to be Doritos. And it, that was, it was very specific of what they wanted. See, a longing or a craving demands to be filled. And that's what God is, is saying. I, I created you so that you would long for me, that you would crave after me. When we, we crave after God, he is, we should be demanding, our spirit should be demanding that part of our lives to be fulfilled. See, because until we find our satisfaction and fill that void with Jesus, we're always gonna have a God-shaped hole in our life. And in closing, this is true for Christians and non-Christians. As I mentioned before, if you're a non-Christian, you have the opportunity to accept Jesus today. And Christians, we find ourselves losing track, losing focus, becoming frustrated, becoming angry, becoming, feeling lonely, feeling depressed. We feel anxiety, all these things that come upon us and we lose focus and find a void in our lives. The scripture tells us that God did this so that we would seek after him, that we would long for him, that we would desire him. But the next part says, so perhaps that we would reach out to him. He created us even with our weaknesses he created us even with our faults, even with our struggles, so that, and designed it that way so we would look to him, to seek after him, to long for him, to desire him above everything else, above every pleasure, above every achievement, above every power. So we would focus our eyes on the right direction and, and to look to him, to long for him, so that we would perhaps reach out. This is the opportunity. This part of the scripture right here is the opportunity so that we would reach out to him. Can I have you stand this morning? As I mentioned a minute ago, we all come from different places, different backgrounds, different struggles. And I feel like one of the most challenges that we face as ministers is trying to relate, counsel, talk to, encourage people and that's going through things that we can't relate to. There's things that's of, of people standing here in this auditorium today that, that you're going through that I can't relate to. I've never dealt with certain things in my life. I've, I've never been in your shoes. I've never been in the circumstances that you've been in. 
And it makes it hard as ministers for us to sometimes connect and we feel like there's a disconnecting there. But what I love about it and what fills that, that, that space of being between us, that difference that where I can't relate to you, that no matter what your circumstance is, no matter what your situation is and how different we may be, that the opportunity is the same. The ability to change your life is the same as for me as it is for you. Whatever situation you have and that what I might have might be completely different, but the opportunity to change your life is the same. See, you are, you're in a place sometimes where the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, and I, I've been on both sides of this, right? I, I, I don't preach all the time. I've been out where you're at right now, and Pastor JW or, or another minister has been on this stage, and they've preached, and I, I feel that spirit turning in me. I feel that conviction of, of the Holy Spirit to, to do something, to change whatever they're talking about, to, to make a difference in my life, to come to the altar, allow my church family to pray with me. And then I begin to hear these whispers, right? We all hear them. We all have dealt with this. We, you're way too far gone. You're never gonna be good enough. Or, or the one I deal with the most, what you're going through, this really doesn't apply. He's not really talking about your situation. This has nothing to do with you. And if we've been seeking pleasure, lots of times the enemy will get in there and say, he'll say, remember when you did this? You can reach out to God, but he's a million miles away. He's disgusted with you. He wants nothing to do with you. Trying to make us feel dirty and unwanted and there's nothing you have done. Listen, I've said this a hundred times in the last few weeks that I've been able to, to, to preach to you all and to share my heart with you guys. I keep going back to this. And it's not because I don't have new materials because it's so important. I need you to understand that there's nothing that you've done present or in your current circumstance in your current life that can separate you from the love of God. Performance-driven people. We might feel like that we can reach out our hand and, and, and feel like that God is either a million miles away or even if he was right here, we, just, we're, we can't get our hands there. We can just never achieve to that standard that we've set in our mind. Listen, the Bible does not set standards of where God, how far God away or God is from us. We set these standards and these limitations on God that is from our own mind and from the lies of the enemy. The last part of that scripture, real quick. It says and we, that we may find him, that he is not far away from anyone. God did this so that we would long and desire him, so that perhaps that we would reach out to him in our times of trouble because he's not that far away from any of us. It doesn't say because he's, you know, we have these people we put on a pedestal and some people are, are rightfully so. We see these, these saints of God and these prayer warriors of the church and these people that we think as saints and we see our, our, our ministers and we see all these people, we, man, they must be so close to God. Man, they must be right at the hand and right at the feet of Jesus. They're so close to him. The Bible says, this scripture tells us that he's not far away from anyone whether you're one of those saints I'm talking about or whether you're one of the biggest sinners in your mind, you're right there with God. The truth is today, if we fill that void, we wanna fill that void, all we have to do is reach out. And what I'm gonna do this, uh, this morning is I'm just gonna ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I just, lots of times we, we we end our services here and I love the way we do it and we give you the opportunity to we give you the opportunity to respond the way you want to respond. We give you the opportunity to say uh, if you'd like to stay at your seat and pray that's fine. If you want to come to the altar that's fine. This morning I want to give you the opportunity just to as no one's looking around with every head bowed and every eye closed, just to lift up your hand and say, Pastor Brandon, I have a void in my life that I need filled. 
I'm searching in all the wrong directions. I'm looking for the wrong things. I can't seem to get my life straightened up. Every time I feel like I'm going forward, something keeps knocking me back down and I need that void filled in my life. I'm so unsatisfied. We look around and we talked about this a couple weeks ago too. We find ourselves in a lonely spot. We find ourselves in a broken spot and we have no reason to be there. And outside looking in, there's no reason for us to be there. I, I felt the urge last time and I feel it again. Your circumstance, your situation doesn't have to make sense to anybody else but you. God knows your reality and what, re, what is real to you. Today, he wants to change your life. So what I'm gonna do is, of course, you can stay at your seat. Of course, you can pray at your seat. And we, we do, I mean, God is the same God anywhere in this room. But I wanna give you and encourage you to step out this morning. We have a prayer team here. I would love to pray with you. You don't have to share anything. You don't have to tell us anything. I just wanna give you the opportunity, if you're lost, to come to know Christ this morning. If you are, or if you need salvation, to come and ask God to, to save you today. But if you're a Christian, you've been following him and you say, I come to church every Sunday, but there's still a void. There's still something missing inside of me. There's still something that, that needs to feel that I can't feel on my own. I still feel broken. I still feel hurt. I still feel discouraged. This morning, he's here. God did this so that you would long after him, that you would crave after him, and that perhaps that you would reach out and know that he is not far away. So those that, that raised their hand this morning, those that, that are feeling that tug, listen, don't allow the enemy to win today. We talked about that a minute ago, those lies that he's trying to tell you right now that to discourage you from changing your life, you can walk out of this place changed. You can walk out of this place set free. Don't let the enemy win today. As I begin to pray and as they begin to sing, everybody's head still bowed. Let us pray with you today. God, we thank you. God, I speak a spirit of, of boldness in this place today, God. Give them the abilities to, to stand up, God, to walk out of the, their, their seat, God, and, and to receive what you have for them today. God, it doesn't have to make sense to any of us. It doesn't have to make sense in our minds, God, and in, in our flesh, God, but Lord, you know our spirit, God, and, and you know what our reality is. God, I ask that you just move in every situation. That you move on the hearts of the people today, God. God, give them the courage to step out. God, give them the courage to, to understand that we can look to, to the left and we can look to the right, God, but there is only one thing that can fill the void in our lives, God, and that is you. God, I thank you, Jesus. This altar is open. As they sing, I'd love to pray with you. Our prayer team would love to pray with you. Lord, we thank you,
hope that you leave today changed. We hope that you have allowed the words that were spoken today to, to enter into your spirit. As I mentioned before, from the moment of, the, of worship to the word, to the ending, I believe 100% that you have been set up. We love you guys. We want to encourage you. Pray for your pastor as he travels uh, back home today. And uh, he'll be happy to be back in church with you all next Sunday. We love you. Be encouraged and know that God loves you. And that you can fill the void with God. Amen. See you next week.